Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. What's going on, Love Tribe? 
Welcome to I Do Podcast, where we interview the world's leading relationship, dating, marriage, and self-help experts. If you're single, dating, married, or struggling in a relationship, we're here to help give you the tools to succeed. On today's show, we welcome Dr. Amy Gordon, and Amy is a social psychologist who researches romantic relationships, and she's been doing this work for over a decade. And I always love to have people like her on because she has very scientific research-based information of what is happening in relationships. So we get into a lot of interesting stuff with Amy, kind of just an overview of her work and sort of the most common findings she has seen in what affects relationships, some of the things that have surprised her in her research. And we talk about her most recent research in sleep deprivation and how it affects relationships. That's very interesting to Sarah and I as new parents. We know all about sleep deprivation, as I'm sure any of you parents out there listening know. And it's just really important. We all know to get more sleep. We hear that all the time. Our parents tell us from the time we're little. But I think the important thing is to understand that if you are sleep deprived, it is changing your brain. You are usually not a happy or nice to be around person when you're tired. So I think understanding that and bringing that into the relationship. So if you had a rough night the night before, maybe the next morning is not the best time to sort of nag your partner or bring up that conflict that you guys have sort of been putting on the back burner. So keeping that in perspective, understanding sleep deprivation is a real and common stress on relationships. So listen how Amy gives the details on her research in that and also the tools to sort of navigate your relationship when you are sleep deprived. And at the end of today's episode, we will be playing out the song Light It Up by The Hip Abduction. And it's from their album, Gold Under the Glow. So check that out. And as always, we appreciate you guys so much for listening. Uh, That helps us support us. We are more visible on iTunes because you listen to us. So thank you. If you would like to help us support the show by helping us pay for equipment or a babysitter or editing, you can do so on patreon.com forward slash I do podcast. You can donate as little as $2 a day. I'm sorry, $2 a month. Uh, Or you can do $2 a day if you like, but (laughs) we would be just fine with $2 a month. So uh, you can do that again on patreon.com forward slash I do podcast. Also through amazon.com. The links are in the show notes page as well as on the podcast description. And actually in today's episode, we talked with Dr. Gordon about the yellow glasses, the blue light protectors, and um, she was currently wearing them during the interview. And we've put a link to some glasses that we recommend on uh, the show notes page. Um, so you can check those out on Amazon. And then lastly, audibletrial.com forward slash I do podcast. Get a free audiobook and a 30 day trial. And uh, yeah, check out our website. We have tons of different resources that our experts recommend, and they're uh, all on audibletrial.com. Great. We appreciate you guys so much for listening and enjoy the show.
Amy. Thanks for joining us today. I'm happy to be here. We've given our listeners a little overview of your work. So why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Um, so a minute about myself. Well, I um, am a social psychologist by training. And so what that basically means is um, my job is to research romantic relationships. And I'm really interested in the different factors that help people have better relationships. How do we really thrive um, given all we know about how important relationships are for our overall well-being? Um, and yeah, I'm very interested in um, a variety of factors, how personality affects relationships, how the context and your interactions with your partner, more recently, how sleep, not getting enough sleep um, impacts our relationships. And so um, I just have always been interested as a kid, I would read, um, you know, steal my older sister's romance novels <laughs> and read about these people who are always seeming to get into trouble in their relationships. And I couldn't figure out why they couldn't just all figure it out and have happy relationships. And that um, guided my interests when I got to college and started looking into research opportunities. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Awesome. Well, I wanted to start because you've done a lot of research in different areas and I wanted to kind mm -hmm. of start with, is there one sort of finding in your research that surprised you that was, you expected one thing in your hypothesis and you got something completely different when it came to how your research and, and what was affecting a relationship? Have I been surprised by what I've found? Most of the things I found have not been particularly surprising. They were what I had predicted going in. But I did have a line of research where I was looking at how power dynamics kind of play out in relationships and what it means to feel like you're the more powerful partner. And I sort of went in thinking based on other work that's been done on power that when you feel like, oh, I, I have a lot of power of my partner or feel like it would be, you know, that basically your partner's more dependent on you than you are on them, those kinds of conceptions of, of these power dynamics that I thought that might make you less likely to be attuned to your partner, um, less likely to understand their emotions, take their perspective. And I found that wasn't the case, that it really depended on your sort of personality and how you thought about the relationship. So even if you felt like you had were sort of more powerful than your partner, if you really cared about your partner and were invested in the relationship, you actually were going to be even more likely to want to understand your partner and meet their goals and needs and take their perspective. So I would say that that is the one finding that I went in sort of looking for one thing and found something else. Oh, that's interesting. And is there any zeroing on, on that particular research? Is there any sort of problems mm -hmm. that arise if, if there is, sort of a mismatch when one partner thinks they're more powerful in a relationship. Um, are there common problems with that circumstance? You know, there's been, so I haven't done that research, but I know that there's been other work on kind of power and equality in relationships. And I think people tend to have the assumption that feeling equal is better. Um, I think some of that depends on people people's beliefs about the relationship and the important thing is about being in agreement with your partner about sort of your roles in the relationship. Um, 
And in general, feeling like you feeling very low power tends to be a bad experience for people psychologically. You don't want to feel that you are, you know, very dependent on someone in an unhealthy way. Um, but yeah, I honestly, a lot of these things, they just don't end up being as clear cut as we like to think they are. And a lot of it comes down to what our expectations are for our relationship. Um, and I have really started to, and I haven't actually done research on this, but I sort of came to this hypothesis that everyone wants to say they're sort of equal in relationships, but then we also sometimes feel like we have more power in certain domains. And I found in daily life that people fluctuate highly from one day to the next in terms of how powerful they feel in their relationship, how much they feel like they have the ability to make decisions about their relationship and kind of influence their partner. And so I sort of started thinking maybe we tend to have power in different domains and that that across the whole relationship, it equals out, but maybe you feel like you have more influence in making financial decisions, whereas your partner has more influence in making, I don't know, childcare or other household decisions. And that we don't need to necessarily be equal in every single thing that we do, but over the course of our relationship and how we think about it more broadly, we'd want to feel equitable with our partner. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I was just going to clarify what, you know, or ask what you just said of that. Is it best to have things even like that where it's maybe the specific topic isn't even like you said, childcare, like for example, I'll, I'll generally be in more charge of childcare situations than Chase mm -hmm. is, but maybe he's more in charge of financial. Is that fair or should it right. be broken down even in that specific subject to be fair? And that's honestly, I think that's an open question. So <laughs> I, as a researcher, I, I try to divide between what I think and what the research has actually shown. And I, I mean, I think this is a really interesting area that hasn't had a lot of research that I know of, at least. Um, I'm all, you know, there might always be something out there I have missed. But my, my intuition is, again, that what matters is that you feel good about how it works, right? That um, you don't necessarily need to both be equal in decision making and everything. And, and that might not be what's best, you know, most um, pragmatic or efficient for a relationship to always have to consult each other on every domain, especially if one of you feels like you have more expertise, or you agree that one person has more expertise or time or whatever that makes it efficient for one of you to kind of take control of a certain area. Um, like, I feel like I am the one who remembers dates in our relationship. And after being together, I don't know how long, you know, we've been together over 14 years now. But at some point, my husband just felt like he no longer needed to remember any important dates, because he knew that that's what I was, you know, would do, and he could let his mind move to something else. And, you know, in that way, I think a relationship can be um, useful and powerful when you can divide up like that. So all that being said, I think the two important things are that you, the two partners feel good about however it's divided up, and that you be aware of if you don't feel good about some division of power or influence that you think about, is it because of expectations, you think the world expects relationships to be a certain way, you know, versus what you really want for your own relationship. And I think we can often be influenced by what's going on around us and our perceptions of how things should be. And that we have to be careful with that. Yeah, it's, 
important to be aware of that and in your own expectations not meeting the reality and then where mm-hmm. those expectations are coming from like you said and a right. lot of times with uh, the amount of media around us and reality television and yeah. everything else and fairy tale uh, movies we think relationships yes. are, are supposed to be a certain way and oftentimes that's that's not the way it is uh, we were just talking yeah with a guest and talking about just that and how we have uh, basically un society kind of gives us these unattainable, uh, unrealistic ideas of, yeah, of yeah. love. And we, we were in particular talking about falling in love and how oh, mm-hmm. you, at love at first sight, uh, that common phrase, and you're going to fall in love immediately and that you'll know that's the one. And it's just not true. And right. we found personally in in our relationship we both felt that way like we're together almost uh, 10 years now and happy but it it wasn't like in the beginning we're like oh we're gonna get married this is the one um and it's just interesting how we're sort of told that that's the right way and i remember even having conversation with my mom and when things were getting more serious with sarah and being like you know i just don't i don't know if she's the one and this was early in our relationship. And my mom said, mm-hmm. my mom's a clinical psychologist, so she has experience in working with mm-hmm. issues around people's um, personalities and stuff. And obviously she knows me and she's like, it's okay <laughs> to not, to not know that and, and just be yeah. patient and let it progress. Yeah. Um, there's some really interesting research that also gets into that a little bit that, sort of um, ask people what their beliefs about relationships are. Do you think that people are soulmates or do you think, you know, you choose to make a choice to be with someone and that you work and grow together Um, and that those soulmate beliefs, while which are what are painted so often, I feel like in our society and media, like you're saying that those can actually be um, damaging for relationships because the second you hit a roadblock, you start to say, Ooh, if things are going wrong, like maybe, maybe this wasn't the right person. Maybe she wasn't the one. And that um, people are more likely to give up or be dissatisfied when they, you know, hit some trouble in their relationship, if that's what they believe. And so yeah, I think I mean, I think you're totally right about these expectations. And everybody has a different story too, you know, um, a different trajectory or way that they got where they are. So trying to act as if there's kind of one path um, can be misleading as well. You mentioned earlier uh, that we change like every day and that's what's mm-hmm. so complicated right. in in all of your research, I'm sure. And just all the information on relationships is that we are not static creatures. So just in our own self-development it's important to recognize, but then you throw another person into the mix and then the dynamics mm-hmm. between you two yes. and you're both constantly changing day to day. I mean, that is a, I don't want to say that's the, 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 with the right approach, that's not the road to disaster. That's the road to they You just have to understand that and say, well, that is why relationships take work because it's always changing, even in a healthy one. Right. No, it's crazy. I mean, just from personal experience of, you know, I met my now husband on my first day of college and no, no idea we were going to end up married. I just kept waiting for us to break up, but we never stopped liking each other. So um, here we are. But 
it, you know, it's, I, on the one hand, I study relationships. On the other hand, I live it and it's just, they are complicated and it just continues to fascinate me about how these, these dynamics of two people trying to live their life while, you know, interacting constantly with each other, relying on each other, building a life together when you move in together, when you have children, just these layers of complexity. And in some ways, I just think we're all a little crazy, but <laughs> to, to, uh, to try this, but you know, the alternative is, is not what I would want either. But, um, but yeah, I think I have, as I get older, and go through more life experience, I have much more appreciation for just how complex it all is and how much it's it's not the simple story that I read about in the romance novels when I was, you know, 10 years old. Um, and yeah, and I, uh, even I, you know, I try to apply my own relationships research to my relationship and I think it helps. Um, but even with all of that, our human, our instincts are just so strong that it's hard to override the feelings that you have or our, um, what I call our natural egocentricism, just the fact that we are in our own heads and it's really, really hard, if not impossible, to truly understand another person's point of view. And I think that is something that um, affects relationships every day. I agree completely. And I, I think you kind of answered the question I was going to ask you, but do you ever find it a struggle you know, ha or, you know, in your relationship, knowing the information that you know, and then trying to apply it sometimes within your relationship? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that I am probably a better relationship partner for knowing it all and being able to apply what I know, plus just more general, you know, tips on um, research and suggestions for sort of being a more, you know, basic understanding of human psychology. But I also get frustrated with myself because, you know, sometimes my husband might make a point like this morning, I made some comment to him about, I don't know, uh, food in the sink or something. And it led to this conversation about um, how much each of us does, you know, our household things. And I had this moment of realization that I was just focused on the things I saw he didn't do. And, you know, not even thinking about what I might miss the work that he does that I'm not seeing, or I, you know, I was just focused on myself and what I needed. And it's like, I get frustrated because even knowing everything I know, I still can't override some of my basic instincts and my, you know, entrenched perspective from my own point of view. It's so true. And I always try to, we always try to make it a point to our listeners that it's not easy because we have, you know, ourselves, we interview experts, uh, you know, three, four times a week and we try to apply the the knowledge to our relationship and a lot of times it helps but a lot of times we also end up in conflict and and like you said it's similar to your situation you're an expert that you have a doctorate in this stuff and and I think it's important that people understand like it's okay to have these trials and in conflict the important thing is to to read and educate yourself and work on the relationship because it's not just going to automatically sort of fix itself. It's, it's dynamic. We're dynamic. We've, we've said that. And so what do you do? Do you just give up and say, Oh, love and marriage and dating. It's all just a mess and it's too hard. Or 
do you go in with the mindset and the willingness to learn and say, okay, you know, how can we apply these things to pause, to understand you're going to you go through these like, like you did this morning, but then moving forward with the tools to sort of be productive in, in what you're doing and create uh, more love. Yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I think, yeah, a lot of that comes down to commitment and like, um, and the motivation, right. To, to want to maintain your relationship. And unfortunately we, as humans also have this tendency to adapt, which is great when something bad happens and we time does help heal, you know, the wounds of something bad, but it also helps us stop seeing the good in our, you know, in our relationship. So when we start out in a new relationship, this person that wasn't there is suddenly added to your life. And it's so obvious all the wonderful things, you know, that they've added and just having that person around how great it is. And then, you know, you go, two, five, 10 years down the road and that person's around all the time and it's hard to see those good things as much anymore. You know, we naturally stop being as appreciative and instead you might notice the annoying things <laughs> that they do as as what stand out more. And I think people can definitely, life is busy. People get on this autopilot of, you know, you don't want your relationship to feel like work all the time. And so you're not thinking about it that way. Um, but then it can, yeah, it can just be this sort of, um, I don't know, slippery slope is the right word, but something where all of a sudden you've gotten to this point where you look around and say, what's happened? You know, I, and the, that appreciation from early on is sort of dissipated. And at that point, like making the commitment to um, invest in your relationship, I think is really important and something that can be really hard to do. And ideally, people sort of, if they can recognize that this is the natural sort of progression of a relationship and from early on, try to be cognizant and say, hey, you know, let's let's keep the gratitude alive. Let's not let ourselves get so used to each other that we forget why we were together in the first place that, um, you know, that's my goal. And hopefully that can make a difference. Absolutely. I think that's, and you mentioned gratitude and that, and that is what is so important in especially maintaining a long-term relationship is it, like you said, it's easy. We adapt and we just get used to in our partner and we only notice the bad things and practicing that daily gratitude. And we had uh, Linda and Charlie Bloom on and they're coming up on, I believe their 50th wedding anniversary and they've been doing relationship uh, counseling for 35 years together and they had a really cool exercise linda uh, when charlie would say i love you you know it's kind of like showing gratitude but she would say tell me why give me the specifics and i thought that was so great because it, it's like a, a way to practice gratitude but on a on a much deeper level because it's easy to say i love you and you may not really mean it or it may just be it's almost like second nature. You're with your partner and you say, I love you. Just like you say, hi. But then she would say, tell me, tell me the specifics. Why, why do you love me? You know, what is it today that, that, uh, you love about me? And I thought that was a, a neat little exercise. Yeah. So, um, I know I'm thinking like in this time, what would I most want people to know or take away, um, about, their relationships and, and kind of keeping that spark alive. And I think, you know, for generally healthy relationships, 
that are um, going to sometimes, you know, have ruts or hard times that, um, yeah, rem- remembering those little things, remembering to bring the positivity back. And one of the big things I think is we often, again, we focus on ourselves and not feeling like feeling taken for granted, right? Am I, am I getting what I deserve out of the relationship? And so I sort of encourage people to flip it around and think, is my partner getting what they deserve out of the relationship? What can I do to be a better relationship partner? And then, you know, it's this great cycle that when you make another person feel really good, they want to make you feel good too. And so instead of sitting around waiting or focusing on what you're not getting to be able to do the opposite, right? So um, say, you know, saying I love you and telling the partner why or, or things that can kind of just switch your focus to something more positive. Um, you know, there's things like even mentally subtracting your partner out of your life. Like I, um, if you know, imagine you never met your partner or sometimes things in the news will do it for us naturally. Like if I hear about a car accident on my husband's commute route or something, you know, I have a moment where I'm sort of forced to envision the world without him and it helps me reset my mind to say, wait, you, you know, I want you here. Um, and just these little things, right. Being grateful, all those, all those little things that we can do ourselves and not necessarily wait for our partner to do. I think that's, that's great advice. You know, imagining it, it's a good exercise to be like, put yourself out of it and say, what is my partner getting out of the relationship? Am I doing my part? to make them happy and then exercises like imagining like you never met them. Um, it's all really great stuff. And I want to talk a little bit about the research that you're doing now in sleep deprivation and how that affects relationships. I got a guess of, of what your findings are, but it's pretty interesting. You, you're a, uh, parent to a young one and so are Sarah and I so we all know about uh, sleep deprivation so how is that uh, research going yeah it's um, it's it's fun and it's going slowly but um, but well and so that that interest started for me actually a long before I ever had a kid I, I had for a long time been interested in how not getting enough sleep just affects the way people function, probably because I'm someone who needs a lot of sleep and really notices what happens when I don't get enough of it. And then I went and had a kid and basically spent almost two years feeling sleep deprived all the time and realizing just like how hard it was. And that was a hard period for me. And I still to this day don't know how, you know, how much of that was just the sleep versus all the other changes that are going on in your life. And so, you know, the research I've done suggests um, that when people, you know, don't sleep as well, they report ex- fighting more with their partner the next day. They have more trouble understanding their partner's emotions. Um, they, you know, show less, they're less positive during conflict conversations. And that's just a little area of work. I mean, this is really new stuff. So unfortunately, I don't have a lot of findings yet to tell you about. But I'm excited because I'm actually doing a lab study where we're going to deprive people of sleep and then have couples come in and do a bunch of tasks in the lab um, so that we can say, you know, causally, like when we take sleep away, this is how relationships change. Um, But I think, you know, it my 
my theory going into it is that when we are chronically sleep deprived, that we sort of are functioning in survival mode, you know, and that that means that we're mostly focused on taking care of ourselves and our basic needs. And that thinking about our partner, being able to say, am I being a good partner, that those are all sort of these extra demands that we can't handle um, when we're just trying to make it through the day. And so that that in that way, sleep can really wreak havoc on relationships. You're not going to say, oh, honey, no, I'll get up with the baby tonight. You you didn't sleep well. You're going to say, I did it last time. You know, it's your turn. Yeah, I can completely relate when you were saying how not having enough sleep the next day, you can argue more. I mean, just the other day, Stella was sick. And so we both didn't sleep that well, you know, that night. And the next day it was like, we definitely fought way more than normal. And it's, I mean, it's like, you could probably interview all moms under with children under the age of two, and they'll probably say the same thing, but it's, you know, I think it's so right. And I can definitely tell when I have had enough sleep versus not. And it, it totally makes difference on every part of the relationship. So the thing that I wonder about, and I hope to actually, you know, be able to empirically answer at some point is how good we are though, at really knowing how sleep is affecting us. And I think that's sort of what I had this, you know, um, light bulb moment of saying, you know, I, I know how tired I am. And yet, I also feel like there's suddenly these problems in my relationship. And yet once I sleep, those problems suddenly go away, but they feel very real when you are lacking in sleep. And so being able to just give yourself a break and say, oh, we're fighting more, but you know, it's, it's not really a real problem. We wouldn't be doing this if we weren't tired. It's hard to separate yourself enough to say that, you know, and it feels real and maybe it even becomes a real problem um, because you let it. I mean, I've actually created rules for myself because I know I get really tired by, you know, eight o'clock. I'm um, basically done with the day. So I have rules like I don't bring up topics that might be contentious after dinner. It's just a rule I had to make after a few bad nights of thinking I could have some conversation that we just couldn't have then. We didn't have the resources. And I think that makes things a lot better. You know, you wake up in the morning and, hey, suddenly that thing that was bothering you doesn't really bother you anymore. I think we need to implement that rule. <laughs> no uh, no big conversations after dinner. I think I can totally yeah. relate for sure. <laughs> the don't go to bed angry is a terrible, um, yeah, a terrible um, folk wisdom or whatever, because I feel like if you stay up late it's just gonna, trying to deal with the problem it's just going to make it worse I mean maybe it's nice to say I'm mad but I love you go to sleep and then see in the morning if you still are bothered it still seems like as big of a deal it's very interesting you know sleep deprivation affects us extraordinarily I mean it's a form of torture um, that right that, and it just changes um, our our brain chemistry. And I'm sure you're going to find a lot of interesting things. I think the important thing, like the obvious thing to say is like, well, to our listeners is get more sleep. Uh, I think we all kind of know mm -hmm. that, but it's easily easy to get distracted. I think in relating to relationships and what I would tell our listeners and what we try to do is just be aware of the fact right. that your partner 
don't make it an excuse, like you said, because there will be underlying issues for what you're arguing about. But be aware, and in, in maybe you do make a rule. Like, if it was a rough night the night before, say, hey, let's let's take today off on this issue because we're not our normal selves. And I think that is, uh, yeah, that that's the important thing to take away. Right. No, I mean, that's the thing. It's great to say everyone get more sleep. And I really do encourage that. I mean, even knowing it, I find myself just wanting, you know, half an hour of, of me time at the end of the day or time with my husband. And it's like, well, in the morning, I think I should have just gone to bed. But um, unfortunately, when we're tired is when we have that much harder time with self-control and making ourselves say go to sleep when we need to. But there's, there's times when people just can't get enough sleep. And that's exactly it, that thought of, well, what do we do? Are we just all, you know, um, SOL at that point? And I think no, I mean, my hope is, is that being aware of it, being aware of the way sleep can affect you can make you kinder a little bit and say, okay, I know my partner had a rough night, like, yeah, they snapped at me. But rather than taking the bait, I'm just gonna let it go, you know. Um, And that's it too, we each we always have the choice of how how to respond um and and to to practice like kindness i mean that's something some other thing i've been been trying lately is if i just wake up in the morning i think be kind and before i say something i think am i being kind it's amazing how much of a difference a little thing like that can make and maybe be making a rule for yourself you know again if we've had a bad night of sleep or if my partner complains they didn't sleep well i'm gonna just make a rule i'm gonna be kind. I'm going to hold back and not say something I was going to say or not, not react if my partner isn't as nice as I think they should be. And just blame, I say blame it all on the sleep if, if you can. And then, you know, once you guys are well rested, that's when you can figure out if there's some real issue you need to work through or if it was just a bad patch because of sleep. Right. Well, those are great specific tips. And I would also say personally, put the phone away. <laughs> get up yes it's so easy like that'll that'll help you one it'll help you sort of connect with your partner um but i i i'm not so good at following it but i try to do uh no phone after nine and sarah's looking at me like yeah right (laughs) but like well it's it's really i mean it's the blue light is supposed to be terrible for your sleep also just at a like basic sleep hygiene level screens are supposed to wreak havoc on how rest restful your sleep ends up being and your ability to fall asleep. But no, I have, I have the exact same issue. I tell myself constantly to just be off my phone because I think I'm a better partner. I'm a better mom when I'm fully focused. And it's so easy to just slip onto your phone and need that constant update. So yes, I think that's, that's great as well. I think that will help your relationship and your sleep if you can make and follow a rule like that. I saw these, I think they're like yellow glasses the other day. I was reading a mom blog mm-hmm. and some mom was recommending it. Have you had any luck with that? Like, or hear, heard anything about them, about just wearing them at that night? That's funny you say that because <laughs> I'm wearing, I actually am wearing some right oh, yeah. now. So that, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that makes it, yeah. So I, I don't know if it makes a difference, but I, I went to the optometrist, you know, for a yearly appointment. And I said, you know, I feel like screens give me headaches. And I unfortunately, my job, I'm staring at a screen, um, you know, five or six hours straight every day. And they suggested that 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 can reduce the blue light. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I could say I've noticed 
a big difference, but I didn't have a huge problem before. But I do try to wear them when I'm focused looking at computers. I never really thought to just do them in the evening. I do know that there's programs now that you can download, like probably apps for a phone or on a computer that will change the the light on a on a screen to try to mimic the light around it to make it more natural and easier on your eyes. Uh, this is all great information, and we'll have to follow up with you after the uh, sleep deprivation study that you're doing. I, I feel a little bit sorry for the test subjects. I know. <laughs> and the, and Ask me how much sleep. they're going to. I feel, <laughs> I just feel awful. But, you know, we're what we're doing is we're going to deprive people of half of a night of sleep for two nights, which honestly, your parents, like, <laughs> that's not a, that's not outside the realm of real, real life, you know? Um, not that anyone wants it, but I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be interesting uh, talking to those couples. So yeah, we'll have to do a follow-up. And uh, now we got to move forward into the lasting love round. So earlier in the beginning of the interview, you you mentioned um, bringing positivity as, as a tool that you can use. So is there another tool mm-hmm. or practice uh, that couples can use on a daily basis to improve their relationship? Yeah, I thought about this when I when I saw it as one of your questions, because I do think, you know, daily basis, like what is actually sustainable to do daily? And there's some practices that if you ask someone, you know, if I, I would never actually ask someone to write a gratitude list every day, unless they were really into that. And that's just who they were naturally, because I think those create this burden that can sometimes almost backfire. Right. So I, in some ways, I think we have to be aware, especially when we research something and then, you know, be careful before we say, oh, everyone should do this every, you know, every day. Um, but I think, yeah, in, in general, trying to, the things I think about are a personal thing is just recognizing that your viewpoint is just you, right? That you're looking at the world through your own eyes and that your partner is a completely different person who has different experiences and to really make it a goal to try to understand them to think, you know, what is my partner thinking? Is is this, you know, is this good for my partner? Am I being a good partner? So sort of those things to help you get out of your own head. Um, and that kind of fighting against our instinct to be kind of self-focused um, would be one thing that I think most people um, could benefit from. And I all, I honestly think just that that simple act of, of asking yourself, am I, Am I being kind to my partner? And I think that's what can get lost as we sort of experience the stress of life is, is we can rely on our partners, see all the ways that they're hindering our life. But are we just in our daily actions then still being nice to them like we might have been at the beginning? Are we thinking about them? Are we being considerate? Um, I mean, so those are... Um, some of the ones I had thought of that I think, you know, on a daily basis, just trying to sort of switch your, your thinking a little bit. Um, and that the more you practice that, yeah, I would say the more you practice it, the more natural it becomes until it's maybe something you don't have to think about as much. And I'm glad you mentioned that sometimes these things can backfire because we, we have these mm-hmm. questions. We ask all of our guests this same question and, and you're the first one to sort of mention that just I think it's important to be aware that what you recommend and what other guests recommend may not work for everyone and 
a lot of times it is we get good kind of general things, practice kindness, and, and that's why we ask, and it is important. But I would encourage our listeners, like you said, it's important to understand that don't like take this as uh, the law in that you you know practice this, and if you're not doing this or if it doesn't produce results, then then it's not right. Yeah, I mean, the happiness research, all that suggests that it really, it needs to be fairly personalized, that the best thing you can do is is try out different tools and find the ones that really resonate with you, that work for you. Um, you know, writing a gratitude list, if, if you're not doing it genuinely, is not going to be helpful, you know. I mean, you, could, you should try it, but if you find yourself sort of thinking it's, hokey or just not not being into it it's not going to do anything for you but maybe you discover that you know um making sure you take a minute to hug your partner and just have that close contact does make a difference and so i think definitely trying out different things um and just focusing focusing on having a um yeah a perspective that that is beyond yourself a little bit um is helpful for for most people, I think we can all we could all use that. Even those of us like me who who know it um, and study it on a daily basis still need that reminder. Is there a book or resource you could recommend for listeners who want to improve their relationships? Book or research. So the um, have you guys heard of the Gottman Institute? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I mean, um, that would be a resource that I I think the Gottmans. Um, have their sort of love lab up in Seattle and they, they have a great website online where they um, have blogs about, you know, all their findings. Um, and they have a, a book. Oh gosh, what is it called? The seven principles of a successful relationship or something. I am now I'm forgetting, but John, yeah, John Gottman has written a few books that I I've given as wedding shower gifts to people. Yeah, they have um, quite a few books, and I know that one has been recommended before. I'm trying to remember what it is too, but uh, we'll, I'll be sure to we'll Google it and we'll we'll have it on the show notes page. Um, okay. On our yeah, website. I think it might be the Seven Principles for Making a Marriage Work. There's also a website. I don't know if you guys have heard of Science of Relationships. No, no, I haven't. So. Yeah, so it's called the Science of Relationships, and it's a bunch of different relationships researchers who contribute by writing blog posts on, you know, new relationships research that's coming out. And I think they may have actually put out a book recently um, summarizing a lot of that research. Perfect. Well, we'll add that as well. Thank you. Yeah. Is there any advice that you would give newlyweds? Yeah. So just, um, you know, sort of what I was saying earlier about how, I mean, newlywed, right? Like you could have been together for quite a while before actually getting married. But I think often when you get married, it sort of can be this restarter kind of jump for your relationship. And I think that again is a time where it's easy to appreciate your partner and you're still sort of in this honeymoon phase and just being, being aware of the, all the research shows that kind of satisfaction tends to decline over time, not for all couples. And I think that that's where, again, um, staying aware that your relationship is going to need work, that that um, it'll change over time as your life changes. And 
making the commitment to work on it, to know that that's going to come and to be prepared to invest in your relationship and work on it and do the things you can throughout your relationship to maintain positivity and um, keep as much gratitude for your partner as you can. What advice would you give our single listeners looking for a happy relationship? Oh, that's a great question. I'm always so focused on once the relationship is underway. Um, But for single listeners, that definitely feels out of my realm of of expertise. But I think, um, again, having realistic expectations, um, I, I think that finding someone that you're compatible with, that it's, you enjoy being with them, um, not is, is essential, um, that it's not necessarily going to be this. I saw you across the room and that was it, you know, um, not to run away at the first sign of trouble in the relationship. If you think it's worthwhile, um, and that don't be afraid of online dating. I think that's, you know, Today, that's a fairly normalized thing, but um, there's actually quite a bit of research on online dating and what it can add to kind of have this um, broad array of people from all over that you might not be able to meet otherwise. And that especially as you get older, I think it's just a, it becomes more difficult to meet people. You just don't have, aren't surrounded by as many single people. And so being willing to open your, broaden your horizons is important. Well, that is such great advice, Amy. We have really enjoyed hearing everything that you've uh, told us and our listeners today. So let's finish by having you tell our listeners where they can find you and then we'll say goodbye. Okay. Um, so <laughs> they can find me. I, I have a blog for psychology today. Um, if you just look up Amy Gordon, um, it's called Between You and Me. And I've also recently put together a few um, podcasts um, for a new kind of well-being platform called MindSale. So it's an app that just has these short programs for, on all different topics. And I put together a few on keeping the spark alive in your relationship and dealing constructively with conflict. Um, so a lot of what I've talked about today are sort of things I thought about when putting those programs together. Well, our listeners can find all the information and links to today's episode on idopodcast.com. Go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives. And again, Amy, thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Thank you so much for doing a show like this. You know, I do all this research and um, just hope that somewhere along the line, people will be able to actually take the, the information that we find and apply it to their own lives. Hi, Sarah here. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so through Patreon, Amazon, or Audible.com. All the links are on the bottom of our show notes page on idopodcast.com and in the description for this episode. Also, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe on iTunes. We appreciate it so much. Thanks. Shine. We're gonna let it go with the heat from your moonlight so shine.
Sex Podcast Collective. Visit pleasurepodcasts.com.